0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Today, I wanna look at something quickly. I'm gonna go there real quick and I'm gonna roll through it as quick as I can. And um, and God's gonna speak to us. Um, But in Exodus chapter two and verse 11, you can't, you can't do a series on Exodus and not talk about Moses. Last week we were talking about um, God having a plan for the people of God and that plan was at work through the man of Moses. Moses is a significant figure within the Old Testament, especially he's mentioned over 700 times. He's only mentioned um, second to David. Um, Moses is responsible, of course, for leading the, the Israelites out of, uh, out of Egypt and he has an amazing um, purpose that God gives him for his life. Moses is known as a man of, of faith, a man of miracles, um, a man who stepped out in boldness. But much like <clears throat> many of the other figures in, in, in Scripture, Moses was not somebody that got it right all the time. And I'm always encouraged when I read about people in Scripture that don't get it right all the time, because how many know that we all don't get it right all of the time? And if I'm reading about people that know what to do, what to say every single moment, I can't identify with that. But if I read about people that mess it up, then I feel like I'm at home. And so when I read about Moses, one of the most significant mess-ups that, if you like, or mistakes that Moses is known for, is this moment where Moses is told to speak to the rock, before they go on into the, the promised land, on their way to the promised land. But instead of speaking to the rock, Moses is, we call it, say in church, that he was disobedient. And instead of speaking to rock, he, he chose to strike the rock. And, and, and this is probably his most significant failure. And it's so significant, in fact, and God was so disappointed in his decision that God said to him, because you have done this, you're not going to enter into the promised land. And so what I want to do is I want to backtrack from that moment and I want to identify as somewhat of a pattern in Moses' life that leads him to this decision that he makes because I believe and I want to show you in Scripture, it was deeper than just operating in disobedience. In Moses' journey, the portion that we're going to read right from the, is where he's, the start is where he first comes onto the scene, if you like, in, in some sort of leader capacity or leadership role. We, we talked about him earlier and, and, and as a baby, but now we're going to see him as an adult in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. That means when Moses was well established, he was a man of importance. He had accomplished some things. He's around 40 at this point, um, 40 years of age, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? And he said, Who made you a prince of judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you did the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. I want you to um, appreciate. The, the difficulty of Moses' um, situation that he's in. At this point, Moses, and we know it by his actions here, Moses is a man of, of conviction. He's, he's a man that knows what's right and knows what's wrong. Um, so much so that when he saw a Hebrew man being mistreated, Moses jumps in. And, and, and so you, it's very evident that he's somebody of conviction. The next day he comes back, and he sees two Hebrew dudes going at it and he interjects and breaks them up. You can see that he's somebody that carries a conviction and an idea of what's right. He doesn't just want to, He's a leader too. So he doesn't just know what's right and what's wrong. If he sees wrong, he wants to step in and adjust it. So I want you to identify and, and see this is a man of conviction. I want, also want you to see and, and understand that his position that he holds is in stark contrast to the conviction that he feels. Because he's positioned as as a prince in Egypt. Egypt is an evil land. Egypt are sinful people. These are not God-fearing people. And not only is he in this land, he has a position of authority in this land. So there's this this contrast between what he feels in his heart and and where he's positioned in his life. And and also I want you to see, and, and we'll read about it, a little bit further on in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, when they refer to Moses and they talk about Moses actually at this point, Moses at this point, when he interjects in this situation, Moses at this point, according to the verses we'll read in a minute, is aware that God has called him to be the deliverer of his people. So he's, I want you to appreciate, if you like, the, 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 the challenging posture that Moses is in. He's got a calling from God to do something that just seems overwhelming. He's got a conviction that's sort of hard to carry out and he's got a position that's in stark contrast to everything else that's going on in his life. Can you see the, the sort of tension? And so as a result of it, we see Moses dive into this somewhat of an identity crisis, which really in the natural, you look at it and you think that's probably a fair, fair, fair assumption. And we wouldn't fault Moses for struggling with his identity because that's where he was at. It makes sense. He's a Hebrew guy by birth and now he's in this position in Egypt and he's got these convictions and he's in this weird space of really trying to work out who he is. Who am I? What what am I called to do? And it's a difficult space and we see his struggle in it because in the middle of this space, He has this conviction that he doesn't know what to do with and he steps out and he acts out of character and kills an Egyptian guy and buries the evidence. And I want you to see something because I want to track with you because this is where I think we see the root issue in Moses' life begin that he carries all the way through his life and as a result of not dealing with it, it causes him to operate in disobedience to God's instruction and he misses out on the promised land. And I want you to see this because we see it all the way through and I wanna show it to you and then I wanna share something real quick. Moses' identity crisis that he's feeling led him to be somebody that allowed a, a root of insecurity to fester in his life very early on. And I want to show you where Moses allowed this insecurity to come in and where he also allowed it to continue. It says here that in Exodus chapter 3, and we'll just, I'll just hit hit them real quick. You can write them down or I'll come on the screen. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, when Moses is told by God in an encounter with God, where he sees God before his very own eyes in the form of a burning bush and God gives him the, the, the specifics of his calling, Moses' response to God is, who am I? Immediately you see this insecurity manifest in his life, questioning who he is despite the voice of God. You see it again in verse four, in chapter 4 and verse 1, where he responds again and he says, But what if they don't listen to me? you hear it again and you see it in verse 4 and verse uh, chapter 4 and verse 11 he then speaks of his impediment and he says i've got a i'm slow of speech in exodus chapter 4 and verse 13 he continues despite god's affirmation despite god propping him up encouraging him reminding him that he's got a purpose on his life he comes back again to god and he says god please will you send aaron with me And the verse actually goes on to say that Moses' response, so it actually angered God. The fact that Moses would not deal with his insecurity and would not trust God. In chapter 17 and verse four, we find Moses in this place where he's surrounded by the Israelites and the Israelites are griping against him and he's so influenced by their perception of him that he bows to pleasing them. And you see it all through the verses, the influence of the crowd on Moses, that Moses is more concerned about the opinions of others rather than the hand of God that's upon his life. So much so, if you follow it all the way through, that when it comes to the moment where Moses is given a direction from God to speak to the rock, because He's so influenced by the opinions of people, he cannot step out in faith and he just does what has worked before because the people were happy before. So if I do the same thing again, I'll keep them happy again. And a result of him through his insecurity, bowing to the opinions of people, it caused him to disobey God. The sin was not just disobeying God because we know that because God's response and the consequences of the sin are so dramatic. There's been plenty of people through Scripture that have disobeyed God, but it wasn't that he just disobeyed God. It was the fact that he hung on to this insecurity even after opportunity, after opportunity, after opportunity to get it right. He refused to and he continued to bow to the opinions of people, the insecurities of his own gifting his lack of ability, and he just stuck to what he knew would work. The thought that I wanna give you today that I want you to take home and I wanna share just a couple of things that I want you to write down. I wanna talk about the impact of insecurity. Every single one of you, I don't care how cool you are, I don't care how successful you are, I don't care how long you've been doing this, Every single one of you struggle at times with insecurity. And insecurity will cause different people to do different things at times. Sometimes insecurity will cause somebody to hold back and not be able to say a single word because they're so insecure. Sometimes insecurity will cause people to talk too much and they can't shut up because they're so insecure. Sometimes insecurity will cause people to hold back and not accomplish their dream and not step out in faith. But for others, their insecurity will cause them to do too many things and put all of their security in their accomplishments and not in their God. I don't know how insecurity will manifest in your life, but I do know this, that joke is gonna show up. And you know what? It's gonna keep showing up, but you determine... The impact that insecurity will have on your life. Insecurity caused Moses to miss out on the promised land. So your insecurity, and I want you to see this, your insecurity can actually, for Moses, it had a negative impact on his life. But listen to me and listen closely. Your insecurity can actually have a positive impact on your life. You can be involved in God's process of working all things for the good based on what you do with your insecurity. Because your insecurity is gonna have an impact on your life. It's either gonna draw you further away from God or it's gonna draw you closer to God. You say, Ben, how can insecurity draw me closer to God? I'm so glad that you asked. (laughs) I wanna give you a couple things, but I want you to write these down. I want you to understand and get this in your heart and get this in your spirit because I think it's gonna help you. You need to understand that insecurity is like an alarm bell for our spirit. The same way a doctor will talk about pain as sometimes being a gift. And a doctor will talk about pain as being a gift because pain is the symptom that identifies that there's a root. And insecurity is the exact same thing. Insecurity is the symptom. That it's an alarm bell that goes off that identifies a deeper root issue that there's a problem that we need to deal with. So based on what you do when that alarm goes off, that insecurity can draw you closer to God or can pull you away from God. I want you to write these down. I'm going to explain it. I'm going to show it to you. I want you to see this in the story that what Moses does in the story very, very early on. And we find it in the book of Acts, referring to Moses. It says, Acts chapter seven, verse 23. Now, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong. This is a different account of the story we read earlier. Suffer wrong. He defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. Look at this, verse five. For he supposed, so why did Moses do this? For he supposed that his brethren, that the people would then understand that God would deliver them by his hand what is he saying it's saying moses did what he did because he was motivated by wanting to prove to people that he was who god said he was you see what's happening you see we're right at the start There's this opportunity for Moses to allow insecurity to either have a good impact on his life or a bad impact on his life. I want you to write down, the first thing that I want you to write down is insecurity gives me the opportunity to adjust my focus. To adjust my focus. Because if insecurity surfaces based on the opinions of others, then that is an alarm bell that tells me there's a deeper root issue in my life and the root issue is not insecurity, that's the symptom. The root issue in my life is my focus because I'm more focused on pleasing people than I am God. Do you see, I'm preaching really, really good and I feel great about it. Listen, so it goes off This alarm bell, ding, 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 ding. And it's all about insecurity surfacing and manifesting in your life because of the opinions of people around you. But if you don't respond to it the right way, you will bow to the opinions of people around you, you will not accomplish your purpose and you'll miss out on God's plan for your life. Or you can take that and say, "Hmm, I shouldn't let these people, they should not have that that much influence over my life. So I need to dig deeper. There's a deeper thing that God's trying to show me here and it could be that I'm more focused on them than I am you God. God, search my heart, help me and show me in the Word where I need to fix my focus and attention Upon you and not upon people and I'm going to use this insecurity to have a good impact on my life. Let me look real quickly and look at the same thing where Jesus, the same temptation came to Jesus. In Matthew, Jesus is in the desert and he's fasting and the enemy comes to Jesus and what's the first thing he says? He tries to catch him in the same trap. And if you study scripture, you'll know that Moses is also a type and picture of Jesus. Moses representing Jesus bringing us out of bondage into freedom. Moses was banished to the desert for 40 days. Jesus, for 40 years, Jesus is out in the desert for 40 days. So there's a type and picture, but I want you to see the enemy comes to Moses, the same attack comes to. Jesus with the same attack. And if you study it, you know that he also came to the first Adam with the exact same attack as well. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, if you're the son of God, listen to what he's saying. If you're the son of God, then I'm gonna paraphrase it for you. If you're the son of God, then prove it to me. Cast a stone to bread. What's, what's, what's the enemy trying to do? He's not trying to get Jesus to question whether He's the Son of God or not. He can't get Jesus to do that because Jesus knows that He's the Son of God. What He's trying to do is He's trying to tempt Jesus into proving who He is out of insecurity. Do you see that? And Jesus' response is to say to him, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus' response is to say that I am not focused on or fueled upon people's opinions or your opinion of me. I'm focused upon God's Word and what God's Word says about me. And that makes me secure enough that I don't need to prove anything to you. I just gotta do what God called me to do. Insecurity, insecurity gives you an opportunity. It's an opportunity to adjust your focus, if you're worried about the opinions of people, you will always live this life comparing your situation to others, your success to others, your relationship to others, your journey to others. Comparison will suffocate your calling. Suffocate it. First 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, it says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God. You can't worry about the opinions of people. But let me just add this. The opinions of people are different to wise counsel because some of you will take what I said and use that as a license to not listen to wise counsel around you. But there's a difference between people's opinion and wise counsel. People's opinion is about what they think and what they want. But wise counsel is about God's plan and God's purpose. And if you are getting wise counsel that you can find in Scripture, then that you need to listen to. But anything said to you that you cannot find in Scripture I don't care how sweet, how nice, or how close to them you are. That you need to not listen to. Because his word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, but only when you listen and obey. Okay, real quick, next one. Let's go through them quickly. The second thing I want you to see, and this one's a different one, but I want you to write down and I'll explain it. Insecurity... Gives me an opportunity to identify areas of growth. This will sting a bit. That's why I put it early on. Then I've got two more points to make you feel better. Because this one's going to hurt like a shot at the doctor. I want you to compare David to Moses. And I want you to see, I want to show you where David's response is radically different. Even though the opportunity for insecurity in David is, is vast. David comes up before Goliath, sees Goliath, and David is like, Let me just take this Joker out. Right? So he goes to the king and he says, I'm going to do this. What does the king say? Think about this. David is a boy who looks up to King Saul. Goes to King Saul, and Saul says to him, And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth, from his youth. But David said to Saul, talk about an opportunity to get insecure. When your hero, when your hero, your mentor says, bro, you can't fight this one. Look at this, but look at David's response. This is bizarre. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. When it rose against me, I caught it by his beard, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed, David, speaking of himself, said your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like the one of those. I want you to listen to the tone and the confidence of David's voice. This dude is not insecure. You wanna know why? Clearly, We know he depends upon God. But that's not the point I wanna take out of this. It's real simple, it's real practical, but this is gonna help you. David's good at what he does. Okay, let me me just say something here to help you, all right? Often what we do is we make the enemy's job too easy. And what do I mean by that? David had practised what he did. And he knew, not with arrogance, but but he just knew that he was good at it. So even when the enemy came to try and tell him that he wasn't, he knew that he was because God had given him a gift and he had worked it and he had honed that thing. And some of you at times, the enemy will come and I've had people say to me, Ben, I get real insecure in my workspace, in my business because there's all of a sudden, there's all these guys around me that are better at what they do than I am. And you know, I say to them, well, why don't you get better at what you do? And I'm not saying, listen to what I'm saying. It gives you an opportunity to assess your situation and think maybe it's not this super spiritual spirit of insecurity. Maybe you just need to apply a level of diligence and not be lazy and work harder than the rest of those other jokers and have an excellence about what you do. And whatever you put your hand to, do it with everything within you. Maybe you would make the door that much more tighter for the enemy to get through and bring insecurity into your life. Maybe the area where you're feeling insecure is revealing and identifying an area where you need to grow. I was talking with a young guy not long ago. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be crass or insensitive. But I was talking to him. And he said, I get insecure about my weight. I said, well, why don't you lose weight, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about living healthy, right? And if we live this Word of God and what it says, and we understood that our body is a temple and we steward it well, and we make a decision and say, you know what, you make the job, the devil's job so easy. And listen to my heart, hear my heart. I'm not talking about everyone walking around being sticks and bodybuilders. I'm talking about us actually stewarding what God has given us and being healthy. And this young guy is talking to me and I'm looking at him and he is overweight. He is out of shape. He is unhealthy. And he is such an easy target for the enemy because all the enemy has to do is just throw darts at him that stick. So I said, well, bro, why don't you make the enemy's job much harder by eating good and getting the gym and be diligent about it and exercise and work out, the enemy will still come at you, but he's gonna have less to work with if you know that the lie he's telling doesn't have a partial truth in it. I know it hurts, but it helps. Maybe maybe there's areas in your life where you need to grow. God once said, oh, I'm so insecure, I can't get a date with a girl. Well, dress better, bro. You look like a slob. <laughs> Like, I'm not trying to be like, you're not a jerk, but I wanna help you. You're not as ugly as what the devil says. You just need to take a shower, bro, and dress nice. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars. Go to Target, they'll hook you up. I'll buy you a shirt, bro, just clean up a bit. Get a little bit of that spray on you and Give it your best shot. The devil's not as powerful as what you think he is. And some of you, just by dropping the ball with the practical stuff, you give him too much to work with. I'm helping you ladies out. You watch these boys come in next week all dressed nice. It might be identifying areas of growth, ignorance, laziness, apathy. They all give the enemy something to work with. Give him something to work with. Make his job hard by being excellent in every area of your life. Number three, can you write this one down? You know what insecurity does? If you, if, if you want it to have a good impact on your life, insecurity, it'll help you to activate your confession. It'll activate your confession. Confession. Because when the enemy tells you that you cannot do something, right there is an opportunity for you to tell him that you can. But it's all dependent on what you do when he comes at you. And your confession doesn't need to be activated until there's a lie in front of you for you to declare truth over. And we will never activate our confession if we just think that we're gonna live in this airy-fairy space where the enemy never comes at us and we never feel insecurity. But when you start to feel insecure about who you are and what God has called you to do and about the opinions of people, there's a moment there for you to activate your confession, which means it's not just something that you feel in your heart and you know in your spirit, that's all good and great, but you'll put more power to it when you declare it out of your mouth. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And when you make that decision, when the enemy comes at you, and the enemy tries to discourage you from your calling and your purpose, and you make a decision that you're gonna find somewhere quiet and lock yourself away so people don't think you're back crazy, and you're gonna preach to yourself, and you're gonna remind yourself. Sometimes the most powerful words you will hear are the words that you speak out of your own mouth over your own life in regard to your own calling. Because you know what you need to hear, you know what you feel, you know how paralyzing it is, and sometimes we need to take ownership and say right now I'm going to fight this battle for myself and I'm going to declare some things over my life that God has called me, He has anointed me, my steps are ordered by God and I'm going to activate my confession right now, anointed by God and I'm going to overcome this insecurity and I'm going to work it for the good. He tells us to do it. Psalm 91 verse 1 to 6, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Under the shadow of the Almighty. Next, read it on the screen. I will what? That was the worst class participation <laughs> ever. What are we in, maths? We're in church. Read it on the screen. I will? Sing. You can do better. I will? Sing. I will say. Yes. Not, I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna soak, I'm just gonna feel it. Um, I'm just gonna, no, you know what? Feeling is good, but sometimes feeling didn't cut it. Sometimes you need to put a voice to what you feel. And if you feel it in God and you know it's in the Word, then why don't you put a voice to it? And why don't you let the devil hear you say it? And why don't you start to declare it? I promise you, I promise you, when you're driving to work tomorrow morning, because remember, we're gonna now activate the victory we feel now tomorrow. Okay. So when you're driving to work tomorrow and you start feeling insecure, I want you to start to speak out of your mouth. I want you to war like hell while you're cruising down the 405. I want you to preach to yourself like you never have before. And I promise you the atmosphere in your car will change. That's how much power you carry. That's how much weight there is in your voice. God's Word is true. And when you believe it and you confess it, heaven is activated on your behalf. But you have to activate your own confession. Say, say it. Say, say it. It's time for you to learn how to activate your confession. Your voice has got power. Your voice has power. Your prayers have power. What you speak has power. God Himself lives within you. Greater is He that's in you. Not greater is He that's in the pastor. Not greater is He that's in the small group leader. Not greater is He that's in the worship leader. Greater is He that is in you. What are you doing with what's in you? Because for some of you, your battle is about to shift as a result of what you say. Give God praise right now, like you believe it. Come on, give Him praise, like I'm not preaching to myself. Give Him praise, like you're ready to warn the devil tomorrow morning. When you wake up, He's gonna hear it from your mouth. Activate, activate, activate. Last one I want you to write down real quick. Insecurity, you know what it does? It gives me an opportunity to adjust where I'm anchored. Because if the opinions of people can have a negative effect on my purpose, then it means I'm anchored in them and not God. And it can be so easy to anchor in the opinions of others. So, when their opinions carry too much weight in my life and I get discouraged as a result of it, or when the enemy comes and he causes insecurity in my life as a result of the success I may or may not have in my business, then that right there is an indicator. If that carries weight, then that's an indicator that maybe you're anchored more in your business and success than you are in your God. Because when the enemy comes and says, you suck as a businessman because the business has failed and that disarms you completely and makes you wanna give up, then if you're anchored right, when he comes and says that, it won't disarm you because you will be reminded that God's hands on my life and the business might suck right now, but my Bible tells me that God works all things for the good. And I learned last week that God's got a plan. And you see that your strength will come not through trying to prove that you're this great businessman by entering into the conversation with the enemy that he's not even worthy of having. But you will prove that your strength and your security comes from the Lord. Hebrews 6, 19. This hope we have as a, dear Lord. (laughs) This hope we have as a anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. Do you know what that word sure means? It means secure. Where do you feel insecurity more often than not? I bet it's in your soul, your mind, your will and your emotions. That's where it gets me. That's where I struggle. on will mind my will and my emotions. But if I can anchor in Him and I can abide, John 15, I can abide in Him. He's the vine on the branch. If I'm not anchored in Him, the branch disconnects. And then the branch has got nothing to hold it up. It's got nothing to give it strength. Uh, last year a storm came, hit, 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 My house and this tree out the front, a branch broke off it. And I walked outside and I saw this big old branch and I'm like, I'm gonna fix this. I was too prideful to call someone. I'm like, I can do this, you know. So I went to the garage and I got rope and, and I got like ratchet straps and I got tape. And so I got this branch and like, I sort of like put it back where it was supposed to be. And then like, I, I like got like duct tape and, and, and put, shut up, I was trying my best, all right. And, and like, I wrap it around, like, what am I, a landscaper? Are you looking at me like I can do better? This I'm preaching I'm not a landscaper. And so I'm wrapping it around like duct tape. And then I got ratchet straps and I wrap ratchet trap around there. And then I took one and then I anchored one ratchet strap to the, to, the, to the post on the house. And then I got another one and, and I anchored that one to like a pile of brick, you should have seen the front of my house. Looked like I was having a yard sale for anchors, ratchets, and ropes, you know. And what am I doing? I'm, I'm pulling on all of these exterior things to prop up something that if it never broke away from the vine, it wouldn't need any of that to support it. This is what insecure people look like. When insecure people detach from the anchor, They start doing stupid things and start spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need. And you start posting too much. And everything you post is a selfie that's been filtered 407 times and we're sick to death of it. And we can see what's going on. It's a root of insecurity that's in your life that you're allowing the enemy to use to pull you down. And when we're insecure and we're detached, we start doing dumb things like talking about other people and their marriage because I'm insecure about my marriage. So if I pull someone else's down, makes me feel better about mine and we act in a way that's not us. When the answer is, don't disconnect from the vine. And if I stay to the vine, God can, listen, God can add to my life. And I'm not saying success is amazing, give glory to God, but you won't experience the level of success that God wants you to have if you disconnect from the vine because that level of success will break you because your support system's off. And, And when we are not disconnected, we look to all these other things to try and help make me feel good and try and help give me what I need. And you start drawing upon your spouse for things that we're only designed for you to get from God. And it puts pressure on them that they can't handle and then it's too much for them and then and it causes this void and this disconnect and you start putting pressure on friendships and you start to manipulate and control people in your life and you start trying to play God and it's not because you're a bad person, it's just because you disconnected from God. And this is a sure way to fail. Because if you try and anchor your life on people, let me tell you something about people. It's very deep. It's very powerful. But people are people. Told you. It's deep. Do you know what that means in the Greek? People are people. Same thing. You're welcome. (laughs) And and people are not bad, people are great when they're aligned correctly. And you will bring out the best in your spouse, friendships and relationships when they're aligned correctly under the Saviour. But you reposition them, you'll you'll set them and you up to fail. Because people are great to build your life with, but they're horrible to build your life on. And if you build your life on God, God will bring the people into your life that He wants you to have, that you can build with. I'm gonna clap myself. I know you're not, you were too slow, you missed it, I'm gonna clap myself. Because I know that I'm helping and I know this is God's Word. And I know that if we can take this and if we can apply it to our life, we will get a good impact out of insecurity. Because this is gonna come and you're gonna feel insecure tomorrow about something, I bet you. You will feel great about your little beat up car until you get on that freeway and look over and some joke will start drive beside you and you're like, "I don't have a good car? That's your moment. What are you gonna do when insecurity surfaces? What impact is it gonna have on your life? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FreeChapelOC.